0: So just so that all of our listeners are aware, we are going to be touching on some sensitive subjects this week. So this is our trigger warning to you as an audience, just in case you are dealing with issues of sexual assault or anything like that, we will be talking about that. So this may be your point to step away from the podcast if you need to.
1: I fucked the ball, okay?
0: Hello and welcome to this week's Great Culture Podcast, the podcast where three women drink wine and discuss feminist literature and issues. I am Sam. I'm Kim and I'm Alex and we hope you enjoy the episode. On this week's show we're going to be talking about the book Circe by Madeline Miller which was a bestseller last year and I think has been very very popular this year as well hasn't it? Mm -hmm. Very true. But before we get into the book and what we thought of it, what we think it said about women, what we think it said about mythology, we are going to introduce the wine or more specifically Kim is going to introduce the wine. Yes she is.
2: Um, So we have two wines uh, because... Two it was easier to pick two wines this time, and it hasn't been easy for a while, and I'm really happy about it. Hooray! Um, but I only have one of, them, one of them in front of me right now. So we're going to start with the uh, Kortaki Retsina. Kortaki which... Kortakian, I hate you. So I got this one from Sainsbury's. This is a Greek wine. Retsina is, I'm probably saying that wrong, but it's the uh, traditional white wine of Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, it is vegan, I checked. Good on uh, greek wines online or something what that's a website yeah oh my god i was amazing. very pleased it was something like that anyway so um from the selected grapes grown in the finest vineyards of Atiki, shipped around the world by uh greek wine sellers dikotakis a company dedicated since 1895 to maintaining the ancient tradition of greek winemaking Retsina, the traditional wine of Greece, has its origins in ancient times when the amphoras were sealed with pine resin. Nowadays, resin from the Aleppo pine is added to the must during fermentation to produce the distinctive resonated style. It well accompanies the Greek starters, brackets, mezes,
0: <laughs>
1: white meat,
2: fish, seafood, and strong-flavoured and spicy food, serve chilled. It's basically... All food. (laughs) 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 I love all food. Strong and spicy and white meat
0: and yeah, that's everything. And why did you choose that to go with the book?
2: So we are talking about Circe, as you said, which is a book based on um ancient Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. So I decided that it would be best to choose Greek wines for this one. Um and I wanted to find a white wine that was Greek because you guys like white wine and I'm a magnanimous host. So so
0: magnanimous. Okay. Okay. Magnanimous if... Kim can be your epithet. I
2: know. I was going to say I don't even know if magnanimous is the right word, but I'm going to go with it.
0: Magnanimous Kimberly. Magnanimous Kimberly. Mm. Kimberly. So open the wine, which you have, and I am serving it chilled with ice cubes. Where's my mezze, bitch? And it was Um, um your mezze is at your house. Okay. No, no stuffed by leaves for us.
2: Right, citizens, grab your wine glasses. Citizens.
0: Mezze.
2: Mercy,
0: Cersei.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Oh, mercy, Cersei. Merci. Well merci. done. It's very oaky. It's very flavourful. It's almost a bit smoky. Yeah. Like oaky, smoky. Oaky, smoky, oaky. Like you burn Is that a just fire. fire? Oh, do we just run yeah. now? Is that? You yeah. Me... <laughs> that, that, we have to say the whole podcast in verse.
2: Yeah, it's it very... It
1: does taste
2: like like a mountainside with lots of olive trees on it. Mm.
0: I'm I'm fairly sure we had some of this when we were in Crete.
1: Oh, it would go so well with olives, yeah, mm. and stuffed vine leaves. Although mm.
0: olives and stuff like all of that, this feels like the kind of wine.
1: If wine can be salty, this feels salty. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's that kind of palate that you need that you enjoy salty food. Yeah, but afterwards you'd be like,
0: oh, I am so dehydrated. It's definitely Mediterranean island oh, yeah, wine. It is.
1: I'm fully here for it, which
2: for a white wine is
0: is good. Uh, Not a thing. Good. So it's a perfect match to the book.
2: Mm -hmm. I I think think so. Yeah, I think it is. It definitely does make me feel like I'm on Ayaya. (laughs) Ayaya. I know, every time I wanted to say it like that. (laughs) Ayaya! Right, Sam, would you like to give a bit more description about the book that we've chosen and try and be neutral?
0: I will try and be neutral. I didn't... Okay, yeah. Um... I will talk about my feelings in a bit because... I can't talk about my feelings until I've had at least a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. But Circe is the second novel from Madeleine Miller. The first one was The Song of Achilles, which was set during the Trojan War. This is set after the Trojan War. Um, it's based on a story that's primarily known from the Odyssey. It's one of the um, kind of trials of Odysseus, really. Uh, the Odyssey, for anyone who doesn't know, being the story about Odysseus trying to return home after the Trojan War to his wife Penelope. To Ithaca, trying, trying to for ten years, so it's a long old <laughs> fucking journey. If they just
2: men um, would just stop and ask for directions.
0: <laughs> Cersei is the name of a witch that Odysseus and his men encounter when they land on the island of Ayaya. Uh, as we're saying it, I actually don't know how you say it. I think um, it is
2: just Ayaya. Ayaya.
0: It is. I I it's, listened it's, to it's, the audiobook It is Ayaya. It's the bottom of a Scrabble bag name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And then I'm there, and uh, Cersei turns all Odysseus' men into pigs, um, because she does that and she's a witch. And then Odysseus persuades her that, "Mm, maybe don't do that. Uh, She turns them back, and then they stay there for a year.
1: (laughs) I wish you were the person reading the audiobook for me, because this (laughs) sounds really fun. (laughs) Uh, My
0: new career is going to be explaining mythology on audiobooks. So this is a story told from Circe's perspective uh, it doesn't just cover the time that Odysseus and his men are there it also covers quite a lot of her life before that, well, basically all of her life before that, Um, her experiences with other mythological characters such as uh, Hermes Athena, um, King Minos, King Minos and Pacify mm-hmm. uh, I always get him confused with King Midas and he's like nope, the gold one and the bull one Not he's the bull one, one. D- Different, different, different people, people. Um The Minotaur. The Minotaur, yeah. Uh so and Jason and Medea and yeah. all those other people as well. So it's kind of it's a tie into a lot of other Greek mythological stories. Yeah, it's told in first person, it's told from Cersei's point of view. Uh and it is a book. What well, before we get <laughs> on to what we... <laughs> before we get on to our thoughts, do anyone have anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, it also
2: continues after the yeah. where the odyssey leaves off it continues after that where the myth continues so what did everyone think of the book i enjoyed it i found it really really engrossing but i've never found a book so engrossing that i read so slowly
0: you just yeah you just oh which i so i
2: think i said to you like i whenever i was reading it i felt like i was really really absorbed i was really enjoying it i was really in the world and then I'd look up and I was, and it had been an hour, and I've read twenty pages, which is very <laughs> not my speed no and I was quite surprised, and i don't I still don't really know why that was um and it reminded me of a similar actually a similar premise, which is um the Empress Orchid book by Anchi Minh, which is a novelisation of the last Empress of china um and it's a similar thing it's like a novelization of a person from their point of view a, f- a yeah. famous strong female yeah and it was both engrossing and then when i put it down i was like i don't really want to pick it up straight away and as soon as i did i was backing in it and i absolutely loved it so i really did enjoy it it was just it was an unusual read
1: alex what about you um so i realized i had a credit on audible uh so so got this bad boy uh on audiobook as opposed to uh reading it as a you know uh a solid novel um <laughs> what Just, like solid is it like i'm holding it in my hands
0: you're such a child even your books must be in liquid form <laughs>
1: Um, so I had the the joy of listening to it through my ears. Um I suppose the the good thing about listening to it as an audiobook means that, you know, you can listen to it on the go and it's great, but also you have a very clear um view of how these characters sound and stuff like that. So yeah. um I suppose when we talk about it later on, I have a clearer idea of how what this character is or, or, yeah. or who they are, just purely because of the sound of their voice, uh how the person reading it sounded. Um I think and also the the tricky thing is, and like Kim you were saying like how um you know it took it you longer to read it, um the tricky thing is with audiobooks is obviously like you can't skim, you can't no, you, you know, know you own post. yeah, exactly, like you you are just like taking it in as it comes at the pace that it was recorded, Indeed. but then also at the same time, like I think the reason that it took so long for you to read it is there's a lot of information and a lot of characters that are referenced within yeah. Greek mythology, a lot of places, a lot of occurrences that you kind of need to take it in, mm. and um yeah. so I think. Actually, I would have struggled if it was at a quicker pace. Um, but at the same time, some of the descriptions are really beautiful. Uh, the w- way she kind of... Oh, this is going to sound so wanky. The way she weaves her language is like the way she like on weaves on the Like Penelope weaves on the loom. On, on, on the loom. I just said loom. No, on the loom, <laughs> by Daedalus. Um, but, uh, yeah, some of the language is really beautiful. Um, I thought also, as a first impression... I thought there was a lot of storytelling and not a lot of showing and I kind of wanted more showing of the worlds being described Mm. as opposed to just the storytelling because I think Greek mythology is a lot of storytelling we already kind of or or you know could look up those stories and actually I wanted more narrative more depth yeah as opposed to just someone being the storyteller
0: um, yeah, so this is the second book I've read by Madeline Miller, being her second book. I read *The Song of Achilles* before this, which is about um, Patroclus and Achilles' love story, um, and I was disappointed with that because I felt that it, in in both cases, and I think it's the same with this book, you've got a hero of Greek mythology. Uh in this case, Odysseus, in the song of achilles um Ach- achilles uh where the narrator is being narrated in first person it's being narrated by um by a character who her depiction of this character i feel was um trying to be three dimensional and offering more to them and more depth than you get in a story. In the traditional Greek oral storytelling tradition, Mm -hmm. I've said the word tradition about eight times, (laughs) Um, but I felt that what that did was destroy a little bit of the character. I didn't like the way she spoke as Cersei. I didn't like the way she spoke as Patriculus. And Mm. I felt there was a similarity between the two books that I just. I just I found it disappointing. I was really, really looking forward to this book because I'm a fucking nerd for most classical world mythology. Um, particularly Greek. Mm-hmm. Loved the Odyssey. Like Kim, studies classics at school. We've had many a, a <laughs> Greek many, mythology yeah. nerd o-
2: nerd off. We send so. each other
0: classical Greek memes because we're knobs.
2: We're really cool. Um, In fact, I'm 90% sure we once compared periods to Euripides. Yeah. As in, this is bloodier than a Euripides play.
0: Jesus, I'm sure we did. Uh, we are such <laughs>
1: Um You guys are tits. Yeah. <laughs> we, oh, we, are. we accept But
0: that's this. the point, is we are tits. And I think this is
1: the <laughs> It was the best sentence. That's the point we
0: are tits. but well, we are classical tits. And I feel that this I love book me classical tits. was written for classical tits. I feel like it was written for people. Yeah, that is true. Who, f- who love mythology, who are familiar with it. And I feel like, like you said, Alex, there was a lot of explaining that I, I think was her trying to make it accessible to people who, who aren't as familiar with mythology. But what it meant... Is that if you know the story, you are like, You're fucking fannying around telling everyone who Minot Actually, do you know what? Like
1: sometimes I Don't care Yeah, like I I know a bit of Greek mythology, but it, I don't know all of it. Like I'm not a tit yeah. like you guys. Um <laughs> yes, the new word for a Greek scholar. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not a spoiler, But like even so, like regardless of if I know the story or not, I'm like I don't just need a narrator to yeah. tell me. Otherwise i just, you know Read an encyclopedia. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, and this is another thing that I think she like, so i think she tried to um there are points where i think she tried to emulate or to call back to the way that the stories were told originally, originally. so there were epithets mm-hmm. Athena of the flashing eyes like we said mm-hmm. about before this um i think that there's a lot of that um that narration side of it is obviously um it is what the stories are it's kind of when you read the original epics it's not necessarily about character development or setting because you it assume is. that people know the setting it, it's very much it's like a then Odysseus went and yeah. he said I am no one and blah, blah blah like all that kind of thing and I think there was an element of that that she was trying to keep and preserve in the story yeah. while bringing in all this 21st century storytelling and I don't think it quite worked. Mm-hmm. It didn't marry up. It didn't mash fumming. me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I don't I don't fully agree, but I do, I do take, like, I do to an extent agree, because I didn't love this as much as I thought that I was going to, yeah. but I also did love it, like, I did really enjoy it, and I didn't wholly, I didn't feel that being inside Cersei's head took away from her character, and, like, made me like the, the original cat myth or anything, any less. I I really appreciated hearing it from Cersei's point of view. And I think that um that observational style is is supposed to be the fact that sh- that Cersei and women in general are relegated to the sides of these stories. And so that narrational style was meant yeah. to be an example of mm-hmm. that.
0: Empower her.
2: And yeah, and like I love a side character, so I'm always interested in reading about the side characters. But what this did was relegate other characters to the side that I didn't like. What I had a problem with is that the way that her story went, she was a perpetual victim. Mm-hmm. And I have I've gone on record to say that I don't believe that to be a strong character, you constantly have to stand up for yourself or you constantly have to be a warrior or whatever. Um, but her narrative to how she became a strong character was exactly that. And she didn't get an opportunity to be a strong, much of a strong character before, aside from the um there's a brief scene where she stands up in a backwards way by giving Prometheus wine. Um
0: And also when she tells her father about
2: it. Yes. But oh, that yeah. but then she gets blasted for it. And <laughs> Quite and then, literally blasted. Yeah, and then she's all like, I'm so weak and seven, and I was so stupid, and uh, I, I didn't believe in myself. What bothered me about all of that was that it took what was already a powerful character, a powerful and not wholly negative character in in the Odyssey, I think. She's no calypso. Um and made her made her power the root of a reaction to a sexual assault. Mm. Which it it made her more of a I think it stripped her of the power that Madeline Miller was trying to give her. By trying to tell her story, I felt that Madeleine Miller did Cersei a disservice by placing her entire story at the hands of the actions of men. I think if she had been exiled, she was exiled for her actions, but her actions were based on men. And then she needed men to save her every.
0: She she was a character that I felt was defined by the male characters in the book, and I think for a book that purports to be a feminist retelling, other than her relationship with Penelope, there were no other kind of Mm. female interactions really that had any impact on it. Like Mm. it just it was all it was about men. Yeah, when I understand though, yeah, yeah, but that wasn't a positive. No,
2: well, yeah, yeah. there was negative, and there was Ariadne, but. I, I agree, like as Midea. much as I as much as I enjoyed this book, and I did really enjoy it and I enjoyed a lot of the glimpses of the mythology that I know and love.
0: Yeah.
2: And there were I mean, there were so many nuances that I really did appreciate. And the Medea stuff I could I could write an essay about it. But I did feel I think what, what led it down for me, what made it not a five star, five grape, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> book for me, she was let down. She was made to be defined by the men that she interacted with in the, um,
1: which i feel was contrary then, to the point that Miller was trying to make do you i told to be honest i hadn't thought of that at all and actually so maybe i'm forming this kind of thought like completely in the moment and i think that's a very valid uh thought as well and i'd like to think or talk more about it do you think that in itself was almost a comment on the fact that women are usually defined by the actions of men. I
0: think the problem with this is that you are... The book is set in what is a very patriarchal society, a patriarchal um, pantheology as well. Mm -hmm. Greek mythology is very much about... It's not all about the male gods, but a lot of the yeah. actions and are the, driven by the male gods, and the, and the women the looking beautiful. To and, that. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, there are a lot of strong women, and I think there are a lot of strong women in Greek mythology, but they are yes, generally as well. kind of kicked into action because by of the men. actions of a man. I yeah. Actually,
1: so do you? Th- but but do you think the reason that it's told like this is because of that? Like, is
0: it a contextual thing? Mm. Kim, what do you think? You're making a thought. Well,
2: first of all, I I feel like quite a lot of the mythology is kicked into gear by female gods. By like goddesses. But that's... Like, I mean...
0: But, I mean, Greek mythology we, uh, can be summed up by... I mean, we, Unfortunately, Zeus was horny.
2: Yeah. I think the issue is that the heroes are men. Mm. The tragic stories are women. The villains are women. Mm. The, like... I don't necessarily think that all it's right to say to that the revenge. action is all driven by men, but the outcome is favouring men. And the stories are favouring
0: men. So I'm thinking, for example, of um, a lot of the stuff, most of the stuff that Hera does Mm. is a reaction to Zeus shagging about. Yeah, Like, when you think most of it, I'm not saying all of it at all. Is a reaction um, to what men have done. Or done to them. The Trojan War kicked off by the three women involving a man. Like, yes but it's still
2: i mean the trojan war the actions of the trojan war were very much defined by women like i mean athena was a guiding hand in a lot of it and on the flip side with cassandra and the temple she was there as well um they're instruments they're not you got Achilles wouldn't be a Achilles wouldn't be Achilles if Thetis hadn't broken the
0: rules and dipped him in the in the river, but that was because of a prophecy, and the prophecy was from Apollo,
2: but he's the god of prophecy, you can't really. But this is my, I well, I mean, okay. I, I guess this is indicative of how, like, yeah. So, yeah. regardless, yeah.
1: like human beings react with opposite sexes, and so do gods, apparently. And um, um, but do and we Greek think society generally? Yeah, of course. I
2: definitely agree with that. Yeah.
1: But do you think the author is is like basically? Uh, allowing this character, so you saying the only you, you know she wanted it to be a feminist piece, and she's only reacting off the actions of men. Do you think that's a comment on that, or do you think that is actually just her being uh, like blind to it? I suppose. I,
2: I I don't think it's a comment. I think it's a constraint. Okay.
0: I think yeah. When you this is a problem you have when you are any any retelling is bound to an extent. By the story that it's retelling, like mm-hmm. th- she's take, there are certain liberties she's taken with what we know as the myth, which we'll talk about in a bit, um, particularly following the end of the Odyssey. Um, but it, I don't know. Like, I just feel like so. It, what I was going to say just now is, reading through this, when you look at the conversations that Cersei has with people, do you think? this would pass the um, Bechdel-Breschdel test. I thought about this. Because I don't. Oh, yeah, I think fair It's, enough, it's all because... about conversations we have, she has with Penelope about Odysseus. Yeah. Conversations she has with Telemachus are often about his father or the actions of his father, the stories of his father. Conversations with Telegonus. Uh, yeah, granted, they're like, shit, need to protect you from Athena, she wants to kill you. Um, so maybe that bit. But most of this is her talking about the actions of men.
1: Yeah, because that's representing... Greek mythology. The only time it? that it
2: isn't is um, during her conversation with Pacify.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, and
2: even then, like they do touch on, honest, but it's definitely about their power. The I end. have a Greek mythology bone of Pacify. I always have. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I thought she's
0: great. She pacifies. She's pacifying. <laughs> um, the, the great bull that appears and impregnates Pacify. Mm-hmm. I thought that was Zeus.
2: No, the bull that was used was um when he shagged Europa.
0: Oh, of course, she got on his back and then he legged it.
2: Yeah, the bull that was um the bull that was pacify. It was supposed to be it was an offering. Um, it was just you know a regular bull, and um, the but the impetus for her shagging the bull was supposed to be that she was driven mad by a curse by. I want to say Poseidon it's probably Poseidon it's normally Poseidon Poseidon
0: is a salty bitch pun intended yeah
2: Poseidon was curse happy yeah um because she insulted someone oh, or something someone all the so there time was some did. curse that made her like really want to shag this bull and then she got Dyedalus
1: to make the thing to let her shag the bull and then she shagged the bull and then boom Yeah. I'm not gonna lie I didn't know where the Minotaur came from so that was very unexpected <laughs> for me really? when she said I fucked the ball I was like ah, yeah she was ah, like I fuck... what she was bitter. and because obviously I was listening to it on audiobook it literally went I fucked the ball okay <laughs> and I was like what I, I, I really enjoyed that bit just Paige, because it to like...
2: you see your face in
1: that moment oh my god I
0: was walking home from work and I was just like huh ah, <laughs> what It made me think of, you know, when like a friend texts you and they go, so Someone did a thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it literally like it felt what so did you do? weirdly bull. Yeah, it felt so weirdly modern. I was just kind of like, Oh gosh, oh, she had sex with the bull in, the animal.
0: What and then she was also like completely unrepentant about it and like, and I have a half bull man inside me, what of it?
1: Yeah, like And because <laughs> of the fact that she was like, You tell Cersei the story because this is your fucking come up and for I... for building the bull creature. And and then like she's like, no, I'm bored of you telling it. I fucked it. I was like, okay.
0: See, Pacify is great fun. She was one of my favourite characters, but only from that moment on when she was in it at the, the beginning and she was like just bitching with um, Her purses. Her brother, yeah. Purses? Mm. Yeah. And Shagging purses. Shagging purses, Do they actually yeah. shag? Implied. Implied. Okay. Pacify is great. So that, that does bring me on to a good question, though, which is, which characters did you like? Obviously, Kim, Pacify.
2: Well, the thing is, I actually didn't like Pacify in this book, Okay, which characters
0: did you enjoy?
2: But I enjoyed different. Pacify in yeah. this book. I enjoyed Pacify. I enjoyed Daedalus. Just because you don't get a lot of Daedalus. You get a lot of Iparus, You don't get a lot of Daedalus. Um, yeah
0: you get one you don't get one without the other really
2: yeah and it was it was fun you've
0: married a necroise who's going too close to the sun exactly so you like daedalus
2: i like daedalus i like i, I enjoyed pacify i also needed more medea oh yeah
0: i love that bit. i yeah. have
2: so many strong feelings about medea and i just like i i i thought that the way that she was presented was really interesting And it's the part of her story that I don't know. And I was just like, yes,
0: give me more. Give me more. How she was super subservient to Jason. And then as soon as Jason was out of the picture, she was like, listen, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But also, the fact
2: fact that Cersei didn't like her, was like, I was like, I want more of this. Like, put enough, of, enough of the three fucking chapters well, about it. the lion and ayaya and how she figured out how plants grow give me more medea well was she yeah. it wasn't that she didn't
1: like her she just kind of was like you are too suckered in by this jason guy. no but she also
2: didn't like her because she didn't like her morals and i was like no examine that for a bit because you're turning people into pigs
1: she thought she was a naive young girl, and she was like, "Grow the fuck up! I don't come to she live me with, she come naive. live with me on my island, and I'll teach you the ways." But then that's the I thing, don't I think do she did think...
2: think she was naive. I thought I think that she thought she was naive. But anyway, sorry, you were about to say something.
1: No, I was just saying. Do you not think
0: that's that would have been the whole point of that being interesting to explore? Is that Alex? You thought she was naive. Kim, you thought it was a she didn't trust her or something. Um, and the fact that there was this complexity in a meeting that took place over. Three pages, perhaps, mm. um, would have been better to explore. There's and again, your fucking book. And again, like you said, the relationship t- her, between her and Pacify.
1: Yeah. Like it's even these her and I female, and I are men.
0: these female relationships that were cut short for mm. the benefit a lot more of, of relationships with men. So, Alex, I'd be interested did to hear your thoughts on this because kim and i knew the story like no the odyssey we knew what was coming we knew odysseus was going to come and be like oh hey bish and then there would be pigs um <laughs> <laughs>
2: or pigs then odysseus pigs then odysseus you know
0: in. tomato tomato pigs odysseus <laughs> did you feel like you were waiting for something to happen because i felt throughout the whole book that every time a man turned up i was like it's odysseus and then it wasn't it's odysseus no it's fucking Glaucus. Who cares? Piss off with your blue skin.
1: I don't actually... Uh, um, In your green hair. I knew. Uh, I knew the basics of Greek mythology. Mm. And I knew that there would be something to wait for. Although I didn't know necessarily what it was. Right. But I didn't feel like... I mean, if anything, like a good novel, I was like waiting for the next thing to happen. So that's good. You're waiting for the um, thing that drives the plot. Yeah, exactly. Um, and annoyingly, I suppose, as a criticism, there was I was waiting for the thing that drove the plot for a very long time because it was like mini stories and episodes within the same person's narrative. Um, Which is, again, the Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and I definitely felt that. But I don't think that i was waiting for a specific thing to happen mm. being like an a reader that is unaware that something is due to happen i suppose
0: and what did you think when he turned up
1: uh, i didn't think when odysseus turned up that it was necessarily a defining moment i think she obviously like well the writing uh made it feel that he was different to the other men that had come to the island um, and obviously, it was a, defi- a defining moment when she suddenly decided that she wanted to like kill these awful men that tried to like rape her and yeah, her yeah. her nymphs. Um, I don't know. I, I it felt very midpoint in the story. It didn't feel yeah. like it was kind of so. Therefore, it might be a defining moment. But only in a midpoint of a story, not necessarily something that I feel would be the be all and end all so of this character. So you don't
0: feel like the you don't feel like the story was Cersei and her life with Odysseus. You no, feel like Odysseus was a part of that story. Yeah, okay. I,
1: I feel like he served the story,
0: which is good because it's an alternative view to the story that we're normally presented with. When it comes to Cersei, where she is a part of Odysseus, isn't yeah.
1: It? yeah, yeah, no, that's I, don't. I felt like it was very point. much Cersei's story, and he served part of the narrative.
2: Good, interesting. I felt similar. Yeah, um, I felt the same as I think you did, where you were like, "Is that no? That's not Odysseus. Is that that's not Odysseus?" I was I, getting blue-balled for Odysseus. Matt. I, I, <laughs> the Jason showing up. I was like, "This has got to be Odysseus." And it wasn't, and like that almost annoyed me, and it annoyed me more because that story was a essentially an Odysseus red herring, and I was like, come on, Jason deserved more. Even Jason deserved more. Jason's a bit of a knob.
0: Yeah, and I felt also I felt as well like the the the, the Jason story, and then Aetes turning up and being like, I'm gonna cast you, would have been like, and what? And then he just fucked off again. and You're like, well, it was just meh. served no purpose. Meh.
2: Except to divert you from Odysseus, that's what I mean. It was just yeah. an Odysseus It, it felt herring. like it
0: did feel like at that first for me, that first half two thirds almost practically by the time Odysseus rocked up, because the um the scene with the random sailors who turned up assaulted her and then she turned them into pigs was exactly halfway through the book I mm-hmm. checked. That scene with Jason and, and, and all the stuff before that just felt like filler before Odysseus turned up like not all of it but it felt like it was like you say a red herring and what it meant was you have a lot of really good stories in there that aren't being developed yeah. or expanded on mm. because you're just like ah and then there was Jason but then he's gone like every um. time there's a boat
2: you're like oh it's Odysseus yeah, I have yeah. to say like, I don't agree stories some of I don't them. agree that it was filler mm. Um, I really enjoyed the first half actually a lot more than I enjoyed the second half Um, so half but definitely when I got to the Jason point I was like it felt obvious it was like someone really showing their hand in a card trick you're like no i know what you think you're doing you think you're being smart by like deceiving me that it's going to be odysseus but it's not odysseus and it's yeah. not and it's not interesting and then it was medea and i was like okay oh my god it's going in a different direction and then i didn't and i was disappointed by that but i, I also think that odysseus was yeah. i don't yeah, he
1: wasn't he wasn't the character that is then described later on in the book, almost. Yeah. So like um when they're recounting his tales and like Cersei is recounting the tales to uh Penelope's son Telemachus, Telemachus. Telemachus. Um, Telemachus. Actually Jesus I myself. don't I don't feel that he was that brutal or anything. Like I don't know, maybe that was the point, that he wasn't portrayed in that way and the stories are very different but I'm just like, I don't hate him as much as he maybe deserves to be hated later on in the book.
0: To my mind, the portrayals of Odysseus that I've seen are not like, he is a man of action, definitely, and he is a leader and that's the whole point but he's also a man of words and I think that's what she did well, is that she like the conversations between the two of them, he was clearly clever with words and manipulative because he was manipulative as fuck mm. um, and that was more the side of him that I enjoyed in this telling than the like ah then he went home and he shot all the suitors in the face and he hung the the maids um, the maids um, we read earlier in the year we read the Penelope ad mm. uh, which is about that end of the story mm. and Penelope's side of it and it was interesting to see those two kind of characters yeah. come together because really the Margaret Atwood that. story yeah yeah it was it was interesting um, yeah if
2: you haven't read the penelope ad like it's a really good contrast and yeah. actually we had similar mixed feelings about that and how it was you know it was it was by nature fixated around the male story but like it has a, a brilliant motif of the 12 hung maids as a greek chorus yes yeah. so that was that was very interesting and when we when it got to that point in the book when Telemachus was talking about those maids like that Brilliantly done. I thought. I thought. I really enjoyed his
0: when he was. Like... I really
2: enjoyed Telemachus. Yeah. I have to say, I thought that he was great.
0: He was a character I did not expect to enjoy, but did. did. Yeah.
2: yeah. Manipulative is such a good word. Yeah. Because you could, you could read this book. I mean, this book is various examples of the way that men abuse women. Yeah. And you, you know, you've got violence. You've got, you've got physical violence. You've got. Sexual assault and you've got gaslighting.
0: Emotional. Yeah, emotional manipulation.
2: Mm. Um, and I've always liked Odysseus as a character, and I've always known him to be violent when necessary. Like that's always the like my one of my lasting memories of Odysseus. Having read, you know, the Odyssey, were the two things were the um, and the Iliad, where um, stabbing someone in the neck during. Whilst he was in the horse
0: mm-hmm. to keep them quiet, worried yeah because
2: they were getting anxious and to keep it quiet and stabbing someone in the eye, yeah, i.e. the cyclops, and those are very violent acts, and yet there's that, and then there's always the idea that he know but he's a really smart guy. Like Odysseus is the smart one. He's the clever one. He's yeah. the like he's the guy that you know at at school. He's like I'm actually a really nice guy. He's an intellectual, but he can be violent, and I think that that's a very interesting character. And I do think that when you just described him as manipulative, like it made me realise I think Madeline Miller did a good job describing yeah. Odysseus. I think she almost did a better job describing Odysseus than she did describing Cersei.
0: But so Odysseus is in The Song of Achilles as well. So is he? he's Yeah. Oh. Um so he's a character that she's worked that she's written twice. Mm. And one, I, I did enjoy her portrayal of Odysseus, but my thing is with this, that Circe is a woman who, it's never said that she loved him, but she clearly was, she had strong affection for him. She went to the effort of consciously having a child by him, as it's told in the book. Um, in the myth, she had two, perhaps three. Mm. Um, but to the reader, Odysseus wasn't shown in any different way. So I, she, she talked about him in the same way in both books from different points of view. And Patroclus's point of view was, this is the man who's manipulated the person I love, Achilles, into going to war. This is the man who's being wily and sneaky and blah, 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 blah. And then to talk about him in exactly the same way. And it's not just me going, I don't think it's just me going, well, it's the same character, so I know all the stuff about him, but I didn't notice a difference mm. in the way she spoke about him. So she's obviously got this idea of Achilles, of, of uh, Odysseus and is running with it throughout the whole thing, and I just think that was a bit of a flaw in storytelling. Yes, because mm-hmm. Cersei would have a different opinion. Have, Cersei's opinion would be very different to Achilles and... Yeah. Yeah,
2: Cersei <laughs> told us that she was in love with Odysseus, but there wasn't any real showing of their affection. There was like The initial spark of like why they banged because they were like ooh match wits ooh flirtation and then it was like Hermes and then just like yeah I don't really like there was was no there there was no explanation (laughs) as to why Odysseus was
0: different no not really so we're gonna have a small break now while we get some more wine and. Go about our Odyssean business. I don't know what that means. <laughs> air our feet, <laughs> air our feet. Take our socks off. Turn people into pigs. I might, I might take my bra off. Turn a man into a pig. We'll see. Um, and then we'll be back with a new wine and talk a bit more about the book. <laughs> and we are back with our second wine of the evening. Uh, Kim, do you want to tell us a bit more about it?
1: Yes. <laughs> you seem so unsure about yeah. them. Very unsure so. about. This wine. We have had this wine for a while. We've had this for wine for a while. This so
2: this is the uh, Mavra Daphne of Patras cameo sweet red sweet red wine sweet red wine sweet red wine sweet red wine aged in oak barrels.
0: Ooh.
2: It's another Greek wine, in case you hadn't guessed. Um, so it's from a protected designation of origin. <laughs>
0: What does that mean? Yeah, what does that <laughs> well, mean? Well, you know
2: how like in champagne, like you can't call champagne if it's not from Champagne. Oh, so it's and, from okay. And uh, Melton okay. Well, it's like it's Corny protected. Yeah, have to come yeah, from yeah, It's protected yeah. and shit. Oh, okay. that's pretty cool. It definitely smells sweet. It May I way. smell.
0: May I smell? Does It smells like port.
2: Oh, it does smell sweet. So, food of the gods. This is going to be. Uh, I feel reminiscent of the wine that she uses to turn people into pigs.
1: Oh, okay. So, it's very
2: relevant. <laughs> For sure. The Mavrodachmi wine originates from Greece. It has a powerful bouquet of raisins. On the palate, dried fruit flavors develop. It is delicious with cheese, nuts, sweet biscuits and fruit and will go well with chocolate flavors. Try it on its own or as an aperitif. No, try try it try it on its own as an aperitif, best served chilled. Chilled red. Chilled
1: red. I've wine. never had a chilled red. No, I'm very suspicious. Great noise though. noise? Nice. Oh, it's so weird having an ice cube in a red wine. Yeah, feels, I um... once put ice cubes in <laughs> my dad's red dirty. wine when
2: I made them a drink. When I made him a drink when I was a kid once because I was putting ice in my mum's wine. You <laughs> mean
0: right.
2: Because um, why would, would you, you have know? kids if they're not your butlers? <laughs> mm.
0: Cheers! Cheers to the sweetest wine we ever did sweet. Oh, fuck me. Oh,
1: it's like Robina. Oh, gosh. It's like, no, it's like liquid plum.
0: I can see why they'd say chilled. I'm having an ice cube. Fuck like that. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I'm put I need wine. another
1: ice cube. Do
0: you remember those really cheap shit um, tarts? Like jam tarts? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like one of those. This is end of the night cheese board. Tiny
1: glass of this. Do you yeah, want to like just, you want tiny, tumbler. tiny tumbler. Fifteen percent. <gasps> Whoa!
0: Shit the bed, which I might do later after having. <laughs> <this>. Pure <laughs> plum, pure plum, pure okay, plum. Shit. So we are um, slightly overwhelmed with the flavour of, <laughs> of this wine. Uh, were we overwhelmed
1: with the flavour of the book? <laughs> <laughs> this definitely tastes like the wine that they would be drinking. Yeah, in this, this tastes book. like it's
0: come out of an amphora.
1: This this wine could fuck you up. Let's
0: put it that way. This wine may well turn me into a pig. So super sweet, super cold red wine, um, definitely, definitely works best chilled. So back into the book, um, we were talking before the break about the female characters and female friendships and generally the the femaleness of the book and what we thought it <laughs> represented. Um, this has been heralded by critics and also in notes by the author as a feminist retelling of the story of Cersei. How much do we agree with that?
2: On the one hand, you know the part of me that is uh, believes in feminism being partially you tell your own story, you get to do what the fuck you want. Like yeah, it's it's from it's from a female perspective. She she has power, she has agency. She, you get to see parts of her that you don't necessarily get to see in the Odyssey, and it gives her more of a voice. But as we've already talked about, like, it just puts her in, like, every every chapter is defined by men and not in a way that she seems to want.
0: Okay, 13 years ago, I started studying the Odyssey and then I studied the Aeneid. Um, and I remember the way the Odyssey is told being much more like, Oh, uh, they land on this island, and then this witch sees Odysseus, and is like, "Oh, she turns the men into pigs." Sees Odysseus, and is like, "I'ma have that." That's not how this story was told. It was like, "Fuck, I'm gonna turn them into pigs in case they hurt me," which she did. And then Odysseus comes up the path, like, "Oh, I see you just turned all my chums into pigs. We'll be friends." Um, and yeah, he like tricks her, her with more... with his wily
1: ways. He doesn't even always. necessarily
0: trick. Like he just relies on. He, he doesn't even trick on this her. Stuff. He.
1: Well, it's, no, like sweet talks her, I suppose, is what I mean. In think. a
0: way, yeah, he does. I've got and this bag of moly. In the Odyssey, she has more agency in, in the story, whereas this one was like, oh, we sat in chairs opposite each other and we talked a lot and he told me... And then, oh, yeah.
2: Well, I suppose the idea is that that like, gives her more than a one-sided
0: perspective. I know, but it just would have been nice if he'd walked on shore and she'd been like, yeah, I'm a habit. have it. I um, would have preferred if if... Just, yeah.
2: When he arrived, like I didn't necessarily need him/her to be like, "I'm gonna have that." When he walked on shore, but like when he arrived, I just would have preferred if she felt less backed into a corner. Yeah.
1: On on a, I suppose on a different side, um, I totally agree with everything you guys are saying. Like, I th- I think. Definitely, it would have been nice to have for her to have more kind of um, ownership over her life, her choices without the uh, like men getting involved. Um, but at the same time, what I really enjoyed is uh, learning about her and her character development mm. uh, from a very young age because actually. When it came to the end of the novel, I was like, "Oh shit! Actually, she's really grown a it lot. Seemed true, didn't it? Like, she she started as this young child that was c- completely besotted by her father, and um, her mom was a dick. So I'm it not gonna right. say like yeah, I'm not gonna say that she should have been besotted with her mother because she shouldn't have been. And actually, all these choices about the nymphs and all these women that were like." All about looks and all that kind of stuff, and she was like, "Actually, I'm not. I'm not down with that. I'm down with being who I am, but only in a kind of very um, naive way." Because she was young, and she was like, "I don't want to be known for being this beautiful like creature." And yes, she falls in love with this guy that she then makes like you know a god and blah, blah blah, and Aww. you know, yes, there are non. Uh, feminist things within it because you are, like, she was besotted with the man and almost tried to change herself and blah 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 but her journey was very real mm. and I actually really appreciated the truth in her being a god but also being a teenager bit like being a young girl, being a teenager and then being um, a, a, a woman
0: that's so, yeah, I agree I agree yeah. with what you said I have a rebuttal to that. Which is okay. Were talking about um, this idea that she grows and she she, she develops and becomes a woman, um, which she does. But the end of the book is... So she and uh, Telemachus go on this journey to find the flowers that she uses to transform Glaucus into a god at the very start of the book. Then at the very end of the book... She takes those flowers and uses them to create a potion to turn herself mortal, so that she can be with Telemachus. And I'm not saying that that's the only reason that she does it at all, because I think there are other reasons that are outlined in the book. But just before she drinks the the potion, which is the very end, like she 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 takes a breath and takes a sip. Is I can't remember the exact line, but um, she's thinking over what her life with Telemachus is gonna be like and what their children are gonna be like and all of this. And so I felt that having her go from being like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm changing like on the one hand you can be like, oh, to begin with, she changed Glaucus. Now she's changing herself. And to me, it felt a bit sandy from Greece. It felt Yeah, okay um like Yes, she struggled with her own immortality and that is, that is touched on. That red. is a theme throughout the yeah. book and Odysseus has it as well. Um, but the way that is told is not like, you know what, no, I don't want to... Be. She's not at the end being like, I don't want to be with the Olympus. She's like, I can see Odysseus in the afterlife. I can do this. I can form this life with his sons. It's about this life she's making with a man. And she's changing herself so she can be with a man. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought that was uh, a disappointing end.
2: And especially in contrast to the more common version of the myth, which is that Telogonus brings Penelope and Telemachus to the island. Not (laughs) with (laughs) Odysseus' body. Right. To quote Wikipedia, Cersei makes them immortal and then Telemachus marries Cersei Loganus marries Penelope. That's it. That's yeah. all that that's all the that Wikipedia has to say about that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um not weird at all. it's all Definitely not weird, but it she makes everyone immortal. When
0: well, they all live happily ever after. And they all mortals. have
2: happily ever after the end. I felt like her deciding to be mortal at the end of the book. It was it was to challenge the accepted myth. In exactly the point that I wish that it hadn't challenged the accepted myth.
0: My brain just went, if you want to be my lover, you've got to be immortal.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Mm. So it was just like, okay, so you've accepted every other part of the myth, the pigs and and the... The Helios and the, the pacifist and, and the Odysseus is Odysseus and blah, blah 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 but you've decided that the thing that you're going to change, the moment where she stands up for herself, like the, the through-thread that you're going to carry through the entire novel is that she hates her divinity. Right. Like, why is
1: that... the? If if you're
2: so not changing who Odysseus is, if you're so not changing who Medea is, if you're so changing that she's never isolated, uh, always isolated, if you're so changing, etc, 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 if you're not changing the authenticity of the fact that she would have been raped, if you're not changing the authenticity of the fact that she would have been controlled by men, why is the one thing that you change stripping her of her
0: power? Yeah, yeah.
1: But, um... Yeah, fair, totally agree. Yeah. Um, and annoyingly, I haven't read the end of this novel. Do you think she chooses like so there's little hints throughout the book of the fact that she's so almost bored of just being like alive for so long and and, you know, doing her thing and stuff like yeah. that. And actually she wants to exp like she really almost admires mortals for for enjoying every day as it comes kind of thing so uh, like my question is for both of you who have read the whole book um does she choose to be mortal because of the man or does she choose to be mortal because she is sick of this day-to-day life and she wants to experience like the joy of Every like you know, experiencing every day as it comes. I
0: think she may well like. I think yes, it is building to that point where she goes. I want to be mortal, like The, the whole, railing, the,
1: whole the
0: whole railing against her divinity thing is throughout the whole book, and she mm. makes it. She labors the point about like, oh, when you're a god, a century is like a second, and mum, mum, like that happens a lot. But it takes her going on a fucking what is essentially a boat ride with a man. To come back and then go, oh, they'd be mortal now. Like she could have done that at any point. If that, well, But she needs the, But but it's being with it's being around Telemachus that has yeah, has
2: it's, the, it's that the, the the fact that Telemachus is the catalyst. Yeah, and the fact that that's the deviation and, from the and myth. Love. Yeah, that's the deviation from the myth. Like, if you needed a catalyst for her, that was a deviation from myth. Why did it have to be Telemachus? Because. In the same way that I think a lot of people who are reading the book are, like, waiting for Odysseus to show up because they know they know the myth. As soon as Telemachus shows up, you're waiting for her to become immortal, like, for her to oh. turn them immortal, because that's, that's the myth. And so, why is that the moment that you decide to deviate from the path? It's the fact that, of all the catalysts that she could have had, why did that have to be the one?
0: That's, it's like, I think when you think about why that might be the one i think it might be because it's there's so much in this about her being like fuck you dad like she has a lot of daddy issues um and she has a lot of mummy a issues a lot of mummy <laughs> issues as well but this is kind of her ultimate like you know what piss off titans piss off olympians i'm i'm going to be mortal but again it's because she she's either way you slice it whether it's because she doesn't want to be associated with her dad or because she does want to live a life with telemachus and not see him grow old and die and then continue living she's she's dictated to by men these decisions are influenced by men and it's one thing to be like yes love makes you do things love but it's what she does all the way through the book and that's why i struggle to be like "Mm, yeah she showed growth i'm like "Mm, no but did she but did she
1: I do. She did she... in the normal human being kind of respect. Yeah, I, like I, do, I do. I do. Do you think she
0: th-
2: showed growth? I think that she became so much more willing to stand up for herself, and I don't think all of that was defined by men. I also think that she spent a lot of time getting grips with what it is that she actually enjoyed, because in the entire yeah. like first third yes. or whatever where she's living in Helios's halls she doesn't know what she likes she doesn't know what she believes in the only thing that she does that she and it's why she keeps harking back to it that she feels was truly herself was when she was kind to prometheus and and recognised that injustice and i think injustice is is important to her so i do think that she developed with confidence this willingness to stand up to people this fortitude and resilience and I, I, that's the thing. I think that's what saves this book for me. This the, one of the reasons that I loved it, that I can look past its flaws and give it, you know, the score that I will eventually give it. But, um, is that, because I do, I do think that for all that it frustrates me, that some of the, the, um, big moments of Cersei's narrative are defined by the men in those na- in that narrative who have power over her, there's also things in there that she still does and she owns up to. Like, for all that I... For all that I don't necessarily love, the fact that she created Skiller into a monster because of her jealousy about a guy, about a fuckboy. mm
1: mm-hmm.
2: At the end of the day, like, she carries that throughout the whole book. She doesn't just, like, get over it. And she carries it not for oh, I can't believe that I did that because of Glaucus. She does like no,
0: her, but she does it for the mortal.
2: Her guilt and her feeling about that and her the reason that she it st- stays with her is is for a true reason. Like I have caused destruction where I should not have caused it. This would I was because wrong of my and over stupid a man. and I was stupid. And I like and I think that I that I respect so I don't I'm not excusing some of the stuff that we've talked about which like I don't I don't agree agree that she should every important thing that she does should be a catalyst by her interaction with men but I do agree with what Alex said which is that there is definitely a narrative of personal growth throughout and one of the parts of it that I enjoyed so much is her her moments where she truly appreciated her time with herself and the skills that she like, where she was like, I was good at this, this is what I was good at, this is what I went to when I was stressed I have I was, it's the line that she says when she talks about Pacify Pacify was always the better goddess but I was the better witch Right? Mm. and she's like, I did that, like that was pride and there were moments where she was like and oh, no, I was so lonely and I was lonely the whole time and I was like, no you fucking weren't, don't lie but I just think that there was a lot of growth in there, and I'm not saying that only because I definitely would quite happily live on an island with my lions and my <laughs>
0: spells. <laughs> really but yeah, I like again, even the witchcraft wasn't something that was that she came up with on her own. If she'd been sent to that island on her own and been like, Fuck, these herbs do magical things, I would have been like, Oh my god, she's discovered a thing mm. and doing that on her own. No, Aetes yeah. told her that. that. pissed me off, Aetes too. used the word. Aetes is the one that planted the seed in her mind. And Aetes just Um, turned out to be a cunt. And Aetes was a cunt. Um, Aetes, cunt, look it up. But, but, yeah, so even that, even that very... I felt like there were so many points that could have been her victory, her, like, yeah, her money. But she never had it. But it was never given to her, and I think it was within Madeline Miller's power to give it to her, regardless of canon or myth or whatever, Mm. because she's clearly gone at the end, like, fuck it, I don't care at this point. I don't necessarily think
2: this is the best book ever written, obviously. I also think that there are... There has been a lot of attention given to this book because it reached the New York Times bestseller list. Mm. And there was controversy around it reaching the New York Times bestseller list. And I do not want to disparage Madeleine Miller because we don't know, we cannot say whether this book would have reached the New York Times bestseller list without this kerfuffle or with. But for the brief, brief explanation... Someone at Target fucked up and accidentally priced this at, like, 2 99 Yeah. And Amazon does a price match... Yeah. ...in in America. So Amazon immediately said their price to like, 2 98 or whatever for Kindle. Or hardback. It might have actually been for physical books. And I think so, it was Yeah. For a day, it took them, like, a good, like, at least 12 hours to sort this shit out. You could pre-order this book for about two dollars and amazon offers a price match guarantee which is that if you pre-ordered it at 16 dollars and then it drops to two dollars they'll give you your fucking money back as long as the book hasn't been released yet yeah so there was a lot of like I mean a lot of people bought it just because it was cheap and people were like this is a big deal this is a glossy I mean, and it's
0: in a pretty fucking cover. Yeah,
2: it's a glossy like it is Run a foil black. foil dust wrapper. She, she, she's sexy. And then on the from on the actual hard Ooh, cover is gold leaf as even well. Looked. Oh mate, you haven't even lived. <laughs> and then the end papers are illustrated like it is a fucking beautiful work of art of a book yeah it's lovely and so even if you weren't vaguely interested you will have had like vaguely buzz I think there was some buzz around Achilles it was also on New York Times bestseller so it might have made it there anyway it might not have but there's there's definitely been more buzz around Cersei because I think related to this controversy and I don't know whether that fed into the fact that more people read it but the fact is that more people did read it i mean i i i just think it's worth observing that like i don't i don't i don't think it's it's not a bad book it's a good book i enjoyed it thoroughly i just think that i can't tell whether more people loved it just because more people read
0: it because it was more accessible so that brings us to the end of this week's episode but before we go we have to give the book and the wines our usual great cultural rating so uh let's start with the wines um the first wine we had was the Kotaki. um, which was the white wine. Uh, what did we all think of that?
1: I quite liked that wine. It was dry. Um, I'm not going to buy it for a casual night, but I would enjoy it like on holiday. What
2: if I told you how much it was?
1: How much was it?
2: Oh yeah, tell me. Five twenty-five.
1: Oh, what bug? So fucking bargain. Still bargain, but I think I would only buy it like if I was by a pool somewhere. I think I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. Three? I would in en- I would enjoy it. I I like what you said, Kim. Like you know, it's good for food. It's good for being vegan, but at the same time, I wouldn't buy it on just a casual night out.
2: How did you think it
1: paired with the book? very well
2: my rating i think is mm, 3.5 maybe 4 because it's white wine you enjoyed because it's white wine i enjoyed which is quite miraculous um and i thought it paired really well with the book so i i think to combine those two ratings i'm gonna give it a four which i am really surprised about because i was not expecting to like it
0: it was also a last minute wine, wasn't
2: it? It was a last minute. I'd seen it a couple of weeks ago but I didn't know whether it was vegan and then I looked it up today because on
0: Greekwinesonline.com or whatever. Ongreatwines website I've ever which I was
2: just like I kind of just want to know and it was and I was like, "Oh, I have to go to Sainsbury's for reasons anyway." So, um yeah, I'm really really pleased with that 525 for a white wine that I would happily drink again that I feel like I could serve to anyone that I thought It matched the book really well. It was the it was a, it wasn't just a straight taste. It was complex, but it was a bit different, and it wasn't it wasn't super rich or earthy, but it also wasn't like light and flavorless. It had a lot going for it, and I also definitely felt like I was sitting in some Greek island. So yeah, I'm gonna go four.
0: Uh, I would agree that it was a very good pairing with the book. I would disagree and that I thought it was quite earthy because it did make me think of sitting on a hillside in Greece with you guys, actually, around the pool uh, before we get smashed and sing lay mares and get naked in the pool. So um, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 3.5. Same as Alex. Wow.
1: Shit mm-hmm. bad. Shit. I love getting naked in the pool. So anyway. Let's
0: talk about the um, Mavra Daphne of Patras cameo. Is that how you say it? That's Maybe. how I said it. Aberdaphne. Um So this is the red wine that's best served chills. Sweet that we've been for red wine aged egg barrels. What did we think? I'll start. Uh, and I say it was sweet as shit. My mouth mm. feels very, very coated in sweetness. And um, I'm going to have to brush my teeth very thoroughly. Um, that's not to say I didn't like it. I just don't think this was the right environment for it. Um, mm. I think it would be good to go with a cheese board, I think it would be good to have in small doses, not big old goblets of wine like we've had tonight. Um, so I'm going to give it a two, just because of the environment in which we've been drinking it.
2: Um, I fucking, no. Just no. I, this is a very controversial episode. I have not finished my glass of Jesus. this, and they have, and they're the and by they, I mean Sam and Alex. They, they are the they. wine drinkers, and I am the red wine drinker, and I just... And I love port, and this is port. It is port.
1: Yeah, so you don't drink surprised. port in that amount of-
2: But you don't drink port in these quantities unless you're a rugby player, and I feel like my mouth is full of fluff. I feel very drunk. It's very heady. It's very sweet. I don't like a sweet wine. I like a... Flavorful wine, like I like a Shiraz but I I like a wine, and I'm gonna give it a two. Two, excepting two. the aforementioned, it would definitely turn me into a pig. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus.
1: And Alex, uh, it would definitely turn me into a pig, but also at the same time, uh, I'm gonna give it a two as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Kim's already turning. <laughs> <laughs> Snorts oh! are happening. I was already pissed when I turned up here tonight. That's so, your information. So, <laughs> so this is going to be a nice little send-off into the night. And
0: finally, what do we think of Cersei by Madeline Miller? Anyone? Any, any takers here?
1: I'm giving it four. I'm um, on. Um, yeah, I'm going to be reasonably short. I think I will give it a 3.5 okay um i did i felt i as much as we've criticized it for its like standing in feminism and everything um i found it very compelling i did want to read on i enjoyed everything that was being said and for someone that like has read briefly about greek mythology but maybe hasn't had a massive grasp like both of you um it was still an interesting read for me yes
0: this book was like going on tinder <laughs> find no finding someone that you like fucking everything is great on paper it's hitting this note it's hitting mythology yes it's feminism yes it's a Literary fiction again. I'm going to say it because I do love it. I like when it's done well. I think it's great. Um, but you go on the date with this person, and there is no chemistry.
1: Okay, fair. I yeah, know that feel. yeah.
0: That is what I got from this book. Is that I was like, you are great on paper. In person, you're not delivering what I need you to deliver. Mm. So, with that in mind, I'm going to give this book. And I, I didn't hate it, but I wanted. I just, I'm going to go for a three. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode, uh, but if you've liked the episode, please, if you are listening on Apple or Apple Podcasts, go and give us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear what you think. We are also on social media. We're on Instagram at Podcast. We're on uh, Twitter at Pod. or you can check out our website, uk or drop us an email. We are grapeculturepodcast at gmail.com. We are recording in the middle of summer right now, some of us are going on holiday, so what you might hear coming up on the Great Culture schedule is a couple of two-person episodes in which two of us, whether it's Kim and Alex, me and Kim, me and Alex, are going to be talking about topics that we love, so you will have those to look forward to. So thank you for listening, and don't forget to come back in two weeks' time when we will have a brand new episode for you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.